The reading tonight <clears throat> is from James chapter 2, reading from verses 1 to 13. James chapter 2, 1 to 13. Favoritism forbidden. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is the word of the Lord. Great, thank you so much Terenia. Um, good evening everyone. Are you there? Evening? <laughs> you are there, yay, good. Let me just pop all my stuff down, got a mask and a Bible and everything. Um, yeah, I'm really happy to be speaking about this passage, and I thought that I would start with something really, really important. So it's a hands up. Hands up who watched Eurovision last night? Anyone? Some of you. Some, yes, good work if you did. Good work if you did. Um, I did. Um, we, yeah, cooked nice fajitas, came around my house and watched Eurovision, um, if you saw it last night, you will know um, the UK came last. Um, yeah, it's quite sad, isn't it? And not only last, we actually got no points from anyone. <laughs> we got nil point, no points. Um, so today's passage, it's about favoritism, and we definitely weren't anyone's favorite last night, were we? Um, as the votes came in, our lovely guy, I think he was called James, I mean, that's great because that's the book we're in at the moment, but he was called James Newman. He had to sit in that little booth 
and realized that he sang everyone's least favorite song of the whole night, <laughs> of like 28 songs or something like that. His was everyone's least favorite. And I felt so bad for our, our poor James. Now, the feeling of being someone's favorite is good, isn't it? You get some attention, you get looked after. Um, so Italy, they probably felt great last night. They won, and um, they probably felt absolutely wonderful. Um, but our James Newman, probably not so much. I'm sure lots of us know what it's like to not feel like you're someone's favorite, to feel like you're sidelined, that there's always someone better than you. Favoritism is painful for those involved. In this, this passage, it speaks into how if we're people of the faith, there is no space for favoritism. So I wonder, I want to start with this question. How do we react to the people we meet? How do we treat people differently based on who they are, how they look, or what we think we know about them? So we're told here by James to not hold faith with partiality. We're to hold the faith, we're not to hold the faith with discrimination. Why? Well, it's just because God doesn't hold the faith that way. He doesn't hold it with discrimination, with favoritism. So James, he tells us about these two different people that are coming into the synagogue. So imagine the scene, but imagine it may be at our church here at Christ Church. What are you thinking when these two very, very different people walk through the door? Now, in the synagogues, there weren't very many seats, so the seats were saved for the elite. Who is going to give us some money? Um, who is going to be worth giving a seat? And that's what we see happen in this image that James brings us, both a rich man and a poor man walk in. And James says, if the rich man is immediately offered a seat, whilst the poor man is given the option to either stand or sit on the floor, we are going wrong. And when I was reading this, I see it's not even about the seats that is the problem, really. It's actually just the way they're talked about and talked to. The rich man, he's treated with respect. He gets spoken to in so much more of a kinder way than the poor man. He doesn't get any of that. He's told to stand there, sit here. And James here is warning us about that judgmental behavior in our church. He's encouraging us to become the complete opposite of that, to become impartial, to treat both of those people or whoever else walks through that door the same. Now, we make judgments on people within the first few seconds of meeting them, don't we? I read on the internet, some studies say it takes one-tenth of a second to judge someone. One-tenth of a second, and we already think we know all that we need to know about them. We're conditioned, aren't we, to look at the outside of people, and then from that to work out their worth, and from that to work out how we're going to treat them. So I think tonight we need to almost retrain our brains to look at people how God looks at people. This book presents us again with a challenge to change how we live, to change how we interact with others as disciples, and we're called to copy Jesus again, to imitate his treatment of others, to not have that favoritism that we can so easily lean towards. And so James says here that favoritism in the church is a sin, he says that in the passage, it's a sin, treating others differently because of what you see rather than looking at their heart 
is a sin. And I want to focus on yeah, this word sin, because at its core, sin is anything that doesn't fit with God's character. So God doesn't show favoritism. It's not in the heart of God, so it shouldn't have a place in our hearts either. So I think this is where we stop and we check ourselves. The book of James, it does feel a bit um, like you're being redirected away from those things that get in the way of you being Jesus-like. So we need to check ourselves because it's easy to read this passage and think, oh, what an awful thing to do. I would never do that. I treat everyone the same. But there are stories where people haven't felt welcomed into our churches, so there must be more we can do. We can't be doing this perfectly. There's no way Christians have got this down. And by no means is this just a job for the welcome team. You don't need a lanyard to do this. It's not just for the welcome team. It's for all of us to change the culture of welcome and inclusion in our churches. Now, the power of being seen by people in the same way that you were seen by God, the power of that is so real. Think about Peter and that story he was telling you. Someone saw him, they invited him in, and his life was changed because of it. He met God because someone saw him as God saw him, because someone offered him a seat. God looks at us, he looks at you, the person next to you, and sees his child. He sees someone that he's created and someone that he loves, and we are to see people as his children too. I think it's all about seeing people's identity as being rooted in Christ, not, for example, in the shabby clothes like James writes. That man's identity isn't in what he's wearing, it's in the fact that his identity is rooted in Christ. Now, I read um, a commentary on this book, and the goal for this as a church, it's summed up well in these words, lead us from the external display to the inward reality. Lead us from the external display, from what's going on on the outside, to the inward reality. We're asking God to help us see that inward reality, to see people's hearts rather than those things that society tells us are so important. Now, of course, we are to celebrate difference, 100%, of course we are. James isn't telling us to disregard what makes us different. Our differences are great, and we're to be united in those. But the most important word here is inclusion. Take that word home with you, inclusion. For us to welcome all into the family of Christ, because God is impartial, and we are on a level playing field with one another we are to become impartial, just as God is to us, to replace that discrimination, that favoritism with love. I believe God's calling us to place mercy over judgment. And that's how this passage ends. It says mercy triumphs over judgment. We have been saved a lot. Every single one of us, if we know Jesus, we have been saved a lot. God showed mercy on us. So who are we to judge? Since we've been saved, our purpose is to, number one, love God, and number two, to love his people. And there's no part, there's not judgment in there. I didn't hear the word judgment in love God and love his people. There's no favoritism, no discrimination in that. 
And in Romans, we see this too in the book of Romans, that judgment from us has no place because we've all been saved. No one's better, no one's worse. We've all fallen short and we've all been saved if we know Jesus. Romans 3.23, lots of us will know um, these, this, this verse is from, yeah, Romans 3.23 and 24. I want to read them to you now. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. It says all quite a lot. We've all fallen short and we're all justified freely. Welcome to this upside-down kingdom where the poor are blessed and the rich are humbled. That's just how God works. And as I was writing this talk this week, I really felt God nudge me um, to mention a specific group of people um, who might be here this evening. This group of people who uh, maybe are here on the complete flip side of this. You're hurt from not feeling welcomed. Maybe you've been judged or made to feel less than others. Maybe you've experienced what's happened in this passage. Maybe you've experienced favoritism, just like that. So if you're feeling like that tonight, um, and what I'm saying that we should aim towards as a church is actually just making you really angry because that's not what you've seen and not what you've experienced. I just want to say sorry on behalf of church for that. And also on behalf of church, we want to include you. We want to welcome you better. We want to love you better. There are so many things that can divide us. But Jesus, he came to break down these walls, those divisions. They're gone because of him, because our identity is fully in Christ. That's what unites us as family. He invited us in to his family so that we too can invite all into his family regardless of wealth, race, sexuality, gender, anything that separated us before, we can be united in him. And James, in this passage, he reminds us um, of, the, of that commandment I'm sure lots of us know so well, to love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, if we keep that law, then we're doing it right. <laughs> it sounds easy, doesn't it? Um, but we're doing it right if we love our neighbors as ourselves. I feel like he's almost saying to me, Louise, if you really know Jesus, are you loving your neighbor? If you really know Jesus, are you loving all people? If you really know Jesus, are you welcoming all and treating them all the same? And we can look to Jesus for this. We see who Jesus spent his time with, with those who didn't appear to be an obvious choice, um, like that rich man in the story. They weren't an obvious choice for the Son of God to hang out with but it's because God sees more than that outside appearance. It's because he's looking at the heart. He's not constrained by what society expects him to be or expects him to hang out with. He's intentional. He spent time with the overlooked, with the prostitutes, with the outcasts, with the ill. And I just wonder, would we do the same? Now, the point of this sermon series is to be practical, to make a difference because of what we believe, but also because of what we do. So I think the doing part here, which is arguably the most important part of what I'm going to say, the doing part, I think we're called to know people, to get to know people. And that's how mercy triumphs 
over judgment when we take time to listen, to hear people's stories, to know people's hearts. And I love this quote, and it really, really helps. And with all of this kind of stuff, it says this, there isn't anyone you couldn't learn to love once you've heard their story. I'm going to read it again. There isn't anyone, and picture that person that you're thinking of, there isn't anyone you couldn't learn to love once you've heard their story. We need to know people. We need to get to know people, spend time with people, walk alongside people, live alongside people. We're simply called to love all because God loved us. And loving, loving isn't always easy, is it? Loving isn't always simple, but the command is simple, to love. God's heart isn't a heart of favoritism. So let's remember to love others as ourselves, especially those we often overlook. And I wonder if you're thinking of a certain type of person or actually a certain person in your head right now, especially those we often overlook. And if we ever have a choice between mercy and judgment, make sure that we choose mercy. Amen.